Life Audio. It's Friends and Family Friday, and I'm really excited to have my friend Tasha Layton join me on the show today. We're diving into a topic that affects all of us, and that's the lies that we believe. As believers, we all struggle with feelings of shame and discouragement at times, and it's easy to fall into the trap of listening to the lies of the enemy. But don't worry, Tasha's got your back. That's why I invited her on to talk about her new book. It's called Look What You've Done, The Lies We Believe, and The Truth That Sets Us Free. In her book, she shares practical tips and strategies for breaking free from those negative ideas and those beliefs through our relationship with Jesus. Trust me, you don't want to miss this conversation. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we have a special episode, a friends and family episode, where I invited my friend Tasha Layton to come on to talk about her new book and just what God's been doing in her life. So Tasha, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my honor. I'm so glad you asked me to do this. Uh, Anytime I can talk about what God is doing, I am game. (laughs) I love that. Well, I was hoping that you could maybe just spend a couple minutes just introducing yourself to the audience. And for those that don't know you, maybe just a little bit about the book and this message that God has put on your heart and, you know, what that has meant for you in the last couple of months. Yeah, well, I am a wife and a mom, uh, a mom by miracle, I'll say. We have two miracle babies, and that's a story we may or may not get into today. But um, And I lead worship. I've led worship for many years. And in the last handful of years, I uh, have begun sort of a journey in being a Christian artist. And I think I didn't really see that coming, and maybe I did see it coming in some ways. Um but it's been a really wonderful journey of, of things coming together, uh, talents and skills and paths and things that I thought maybe were detours in life um, coming together in such a way that's really beautiful. And, and I'm so grateful to God because I never saw how he could use all the different parts of my life. I think I've, I spent most of my life really frustrated um, because I, I wasn't sure what my exact calling was. I didn't know uh, exactly what the ministry was going to look like, but I wanted to be in ministry full time. And so now that he's brought all these streams together in my life, I can see that he knows what he's doing. (laughs) He really does. And in hindsight, you can see his hand sort of weaving this thread throughout your story. And uh, that's really what I wrote the book about. I just came out with a book last year called Look What You've Done, or actually it came out this year called Look What You've Done. And we titled it after uh, one of my radio singles called Look What You've Done. 
And it's really about the story of God working in my life through the, the hills and the valleys and the, the mountains and uh, the ugly parts, the great parts. And my hope is that when people read the book, that they will see the hand of God in their own lives. Because scripture says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I think when you hear people's testimony, sometimes it gives you eyes into your own story to say, oh, well, maybe God is working in this area of my life. Yeah. And I, I can't see it. I can't feel it. But he's very active more than I think. He's closer than I think he is. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. The, the subtitle of the book is, the lies we believe and the truth that sets us free. And that's really a testament to my own story and how God has taken the lies that, that really the enemy, you know, got hooked in my heart early on and replaced those lies with his truth. And that was, that was a journey. Um, and I kind of go through that process in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we talk about on the show often is the impact that our childhood has on not just our life now, but even our spiritual life. And that's one of the things you talk about in the book. And so one of the questions I had was, you know, when you kind of became aware of how those experiences impacted you, you know, what was something that, that I think even like maybe like a light bulb moment for you when that happened. And then how did you deal with that? The impact that those, the lasting impact that those moments had in life as an adult. I am so glad you asked that Rachel, because it's my favorite question to answer. I was sitting on a counselor's couch in Colorado at 30 years old. I had grown up a Christian. I had served in church. I was on staff at a church. I had known the Bible, gone to seminary, received counsel, given counsel, but I didn't feel free. And I wasn't even sure why. And so I just know that I just knew that I felt stuck and I couldn't even put uh, words to, you know, where it started, how it grew. I, I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't pinpoint it. And so I thought I need some help. So I kind of had a mini break, mini meltdown at 30 years old went to this place in Colorado on sabbatical and I was sitting there and I literally, um, I talk about it and look what you've done, but I also have a, a workbook called boundless. That is a prayer journal to help people work through trauma and memories. And this process that I outline in, in kind of both books is what the counselor took me through. I basically wrote out everything that had ever hurt me, the emotions I felt attached to it, uh, which was hard for me because I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm, I stuff my emotions. I don't even know what I'm feeling sometimes. I just realize I'm in the shower and I'm crying or I'm in Target and I want to, you know, cuss out the person in front of me who's taken too long. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And so I stuff, I stuff, I stuff. And so literally when we went through this process, the counselor even had to hold up a sheet of paper for me to look at emotions written down for me to identify what I was feeling. And once I did that, described the situation that hurt me, identified my my emotions, then I went to a spot where, okay, I have to figure out what message I took from this. Um, scripture says that the, fa- the enemy is the father of lies. He is not strong enough to take us out, but if he can get us to believe a lie, we will just self-destruct. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was making choices and I was viewing life, myself, God, others, through those lenses of the lies. And so I went to every instance that had hurt me and said, okay, what's the message I took from that? 
And then once I found the message, the lie, then I invited Jesus into the process. And I, I would love to give you an example of that because I feel like that is the most powerful way to hear this process. When I was in first grade, I had drank a lot of water before school. And when I got to class, I needed to go potty. So the, I asked the teacher, but the teacher wouldn't let me go because she thought I was trying to get out of reading in front of the class because that was the the premise of the class that day was for everyone to read in front of the class. I asked her three more times and she said, no, Mrs. Caldwell, I'll never forget um, I can smell school pizza and pencil shavings and weird cleaner that they clean schools with, schools with when I remember her name. But um, so when I got up to take my turn, I wet my pants in front of the whole class. And instead of sort of calling my mom, sending me to the office, taking care of it compassionately or whatever, she sent me to the bathroom in the back of the class and left me for the rest of the day. And my mom, you know, almost burned down the school. Like she was just, she had had it. But I didn't realize what impact that memory and that experience had on my adulthood. I thought, oh, it's, it just happens. Embarrassing things happen. We deal with it. We move on. You know, I don't want to be a victim, you know, all those things. But sometimes influence is very powerful and it's subtle. And in this instance, it's a little bit more uh, obvious, you know, what, what was happening. But I went through that experience with my counselor and he said, what are you, where are you? And I described sort of my knees up uh, to my chest and kind of holding my legs to my chest in the floor of the bathroom, right next to the toilet, crying, feeling embarrassed. He said, what, do you, what else are you feeling? I said, I feel ashamed. I feel not like everybody else. I feel different in a bad way. Um, all of those things. And he said, what's the lie that you're telling yourself right now? That I'm not like everybody else, that I'm not as good as everyone else. And he said, what's the vow that you're making in your heart in that moment? Because, because God stands outside of time, because he created time, he was there when it happened, but he's still there. I know it's trippy to think about, but it's amazing. Our God's omnipresence and omniscience and all that. And, and so in that moment, he said, what, what are you telling yourself? What's the vow you're making? I said, I'll never make a mistake. I'll never give anyone a reason to reject me. And then once I identified all those things, he said, where is Jesus in the room? And I just began to cry, Rachel, because it was such a beautiful moment of Jesus on the floor right next to me, gathering me up in his lap, not not concerned with the fact that my pants were soiled, not concerned with anything, the dirtiness of the bathroom floor, anything. He looked at me with the same compassion I would have looked at my children, my own children with. Yeah. And he said, what is he saying to you right now? And he said, I love you. You're perfect just the way I made you. I'm so proud of you. And, you know, it's one thing to read how God feels about you or someone else tell you. But when you hear it straight from the horse's mouth in a heart moment like that, it is powerful. God created the world with a word. And when he speaks, those words are so powerful. And so I had to dig out every single experience that had hurt me, every lie that I could identify 
And the Holy Spirit helps you with that. David says in the Psalms, you, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. So it's not all up to us. He's the one that lifts our head. We're going to stop here and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue my conversation with Tasha. I had to let him replace those lies with truth. And that is what the book is about. It's about all those lies and kind of the lessons learned along the way. Yeah. You know, I, I went through something very similar. It was after um, 10 years of serving in church ministry and just facing burnout and losing just my identity in the process. Like my identity became so consumed with serving in the church that I just felt like I couldn't even take a break because I would be letting God down. And I, same kind of thing. I went to a counselor and it was like, where, where does this come from? This, this drive. Now I'm an Enneagram eight. And so I'm like, yeah. you know, I got it. All that stuff's there, but I've buried it behind these walls that are, you know, you know, sure. it can penetrate. And I, as I was going through that, one of the things that really resonated with me that I want to go back to what you said was this idea of where God was in the room. And, um, I had revisited a painful childhood experience that was, you know, it was an abuse that was happening to me. And I think in my mind, you know, as an adult, we don't, I think sometimes we don't consciously think about this stuff because it's painful, but somehow I had tricked myself into thinking that, you know, I didn't get saved until I was 15. So somehow God wasn't in my life until I was 15. And from then on Uh, he was there, but he wasn't there for those you know, harmful, wounding kinds of childhood experiences. And so to go back and think about God being present in the, in that pain was just eye opening for me. And I think we don't hear enough about that. Like, like what you said, he's, he's there and, and he's part of that process of healing. And, you know, I, I was going through it with, I think it was my spiritual director at the time. And she said, you know, I think what I had held on to was if God is real, where was he when that was happening to me? And she said, you know, perhaps he was in the room, but it was grieving him as much as it was grieving you. And even that understanding was like, wow, that totally changed my, my, my perspective and and the impact it made on my life. And I think there's so many, yeah, that we hold on to without realizing that that's not what God wanted for us. And it's not what he wants for us still. And so um, I I think that happens for a a lot of women when we're thinking about um, why things aren't working, like what, what isn't working right now in our lives and, and why is that? And, you know, if it's too painful for you to talk about, we don't have to, but one of the things I wanted to touch base on was church hurt, because I know that you've walked through church hurt and you know, one of my most popular series that I've ever done on the podcast was the series that I talked about church hurt. And I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. I think we have seen in the last couple of years, it's been more public as different mega church pastors have, you know, fallen from grace and those kinds of things. But I think if you have walked through that, it is so painful to even reconcile that in your own relationship with God, because so many times we equate church with God. And so I wondered if you could just maybe talk a little bit about your experiences and what God's done, you know, to get you to the other side of healing with that. Yeah. You know, I was 16 and really wounded by a church leader and felt like, and the church leader, you know, spread rumors and, uh, was basically saying the opposite of who I was 
And I felt so wounded by that because I started to feel like I was crazy. You know, like when someone says something about you, that's not true. And then they say it enough. It's like, you start to believe it. You're like, am I, am I that person? Like, am I, is this true? And so I was so wounded that I left the church and I went searching. I, I studied every religion I could find. I went all over the world, like studying these religions and experiencing them uh, because I couldn't reconcile how, what, you know, I couldn't reconcile how mean Christians had been to me in the church with what I read about in the gospel about how we were supposed to be. And so I didn't necessarily throw God out, but I also just needed to know that I believed what I believe because I believed it, not because someone had just told me to believe it. Yeah. And so when I went searching, I, I, I feel like the depression and all that just sort of compounded. It snowballed throughout that journey. And I eventually tried to take my life. And it was at that kind of lowest of low that I realized um, in all those religions, you're striving to pursue God or enlightenment or nothingness or all of that. But in, in the gospel, Jesus is pursuing you. He he came to earth to, to save us. He stepped down into our world to be our savior, our Messiah. And so something about that shifted something in my head. And I thought, I'm going to force myself to go back to church no matter how I feel. I can do this. I've tried everything else. I need something to stick. And so I went for an entire year, an hour and a half, one way where no one knew me because I felt a lot of shame, a lot of, a lot of things in my hometown. And so a year later, I didn't feel much for that whole year. I was just still numb. I was really depressed still. And they just loved me. One of the things I've found is we are wounded in community, but we're also healed in community because God could have chosen to be alone, but he didn't father, son, Holy spirit. And he's grafted us in, he's invited us into that relationship. And, um, I felt like during that year, they just loved me. They didn't judge me. They just loved me and love the love of God is powerful. And I think we underestimate it sometimes how powerful it is. We feel like we need to add to it. We feel like we need to give our opinions. We need to be the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, the defender, all those things and kind of say what's good and what's not. And God has really just called us to love. And so um, they loved me hard and it showed it, it proved fruitful in my life. And a year later, the pastor said, if you want to touch from God, come up at the end of service and we want to pray for you. And I left three hours later, I was just like wrecked emotionally. I felt again for the first time. And that was an alter moment that changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't, um, that's when I decided to go to seminary, you know, all those things. And so I'd say a couple of things about church hurt. I think we are transferring things a lot. Uh, you, you learn about that in seminary when you're a pastor, the people, if they have issues with their relationship with God or their family or whatever, sometimes they'll transfer that onto you and feel like they want you to fix that or you to be the, um, the sacrificial whatever in their, their lives to make it right. Um, they're expecting you to be perfect because we all have that desire for the perfection that is God. We have that hole in our hearts. And so um, a lot of transference, 
And also, you know, I think we need to stop judging. I think the people who are uh, within the church need to stop judging the people who are searching and the people who are searching need to stop judging the people in the church who feel they know what they believe. Um, just a lot of judgment. We, we need to re- step out of that seat of judgment and allow the Lord to be the only one in that seat. And when that happens, there is a grace and an ability to love when you're not judging. There's an ability to freely love and freely just expect God to handle it, that you don't have to handle it, that you don't have to be the one to tell people where they're sinning. God can tell, God will tell them. The Holy Spirit will tell them. You just love them. And I think that was the biggest catalyst for me kind of coming back into the fold and um, God's love through those people. And I think we have to be patient. Um, Don't fear your questions. If you're questioning God or questioning the church or anything, don't be afraid of those questions. You're not going to fall away from salvation because you have doubts. Doubts are all throughout scripture. And Jesus says, you know, um, you know, you, you can have doubts. It's okay. Like, that's okay. We just need to trust him with those and he'll handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I think, you know, we have this tendency to elevate church leaders to this, almost like this godlike position so that when their humanity shows through, um, yeah. we can then, I mean, sometimes ourselves even transfer that to, to God. And at least that's what I did. And it took me a long time to learn that, even, you know, throughout COVID where we're like in our houses, can't go anywhere, at least here, we couldn't go to church. I mean, you couldn't even have like yeah. 10 people together. So it was just a different season where the Lord told me to sit down for the first time. It was the first time I was sitting down for a long time. Cause I was used to, you know, go, go, go. And the healing that happened, um, in that season was such evidence to me that, um, there is a difference between our faith leaders and God. And like, I think consciously we know that, but for me, I had put them in the same box. And so that realization I think was really helpful for me to kind of get to the other side of that. Um, you know, because the, the podcast is called the hearing Jesus podcast. One of the things that I am really intentional about is helping women to learn how to understand how to hear God's voice. And, you know, you talk about throughout the book about, um, how you hear God's voice in your own life. I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit about what some of those hallmarks are in your own life, because I think no matter how good I think, or, you know, how clear we hear God's voice in one season, that doesn't necessarily mean that we hear it clearly in the next season. And so it's something that I think I'm always chasing and I would love to just hear your perspective on that. Yeah. I think number one way we hear God's voice is scripture. I mean, that's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of everything. Um, And, you know, as you learn, not just read scripture, but memorize scripture, it comes to mind when you need it. It's a deep well to draw from. And what I have what I feel like I've learned in life is that we need the well and we need the fresh rain. And so I read scripture to dig the well and, and to have that. And then um, I practice the presence of God for the fresh rain. And I I think um, I've had a couple of experiences in my life that have really helped me learn uh, to hear God in a, in a different way. I was in seminary and we had these groups called sojourner groups and it was a really special thing. Uh, we got paired with 
a couple other people. Um, if you were male, male, female, female, and it was just a safe group where you may may know the person, you may not, but the groups usually you didn't know the person. The group started with a couple of questions and a scripture, and you literally sat in silence for a couple minutes and heard the Lord for the person on your right. And then we went around and we shared what we were hearing, whether that was, um, now you didn't add to it. You didn't take away from it. If it was a picture, I'll give you an example. I had um, a moment of silence where I was just trying to hear from the Lord. And I saw a little girl, uh, five or six years old, swinging on a tree swing. And her father, what I thought was her father, but I didn't want to say that because I didn't know, uh, was was pushing her on the swing. And that's all I got. I didn't get some spiritual, super spiritual answer, a scripture, you know, a prophetic word. I didn't get any of that. I got a picture of this swing and this girl. And so uh, it was time to share. And I went out on a limb and I said, hey, this is just the picture I have. I'm not going to try to interpret it. Anything I'm just going to tell you. And I told her and she began to weep. The Lord had been her, her father. Um, one of her favorite things was when he pushed her on that tree swing and she had lost her dad uh, earlier in life. And the Lord was dealing with uh, the grief that was still in her heart. And that was a memory that she had shut out um, because it was happy and she was kind of stuffing it down. It was a lot to it. But yeah. all that to say, um, the Lord opened up something really special that day because of this picture. And I think one of the ways we can practice hearing from God is to simply practice to, to have someone in our mind and say, God, what do you have for them? And we don't have to have a word of admonishment or a negative word, like thus saith the Lord. Yes. And this and whatever Uh, we can simply say, God, give me a scripture of encouragement for this person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, open your Bible and just read. And when something stands out and you feel like that's what's in God's heart for this person, just share it with them. You don't have to add to it. Don't take away from it. Just share that and practice. And I think when we're in community with one another, uh, it's a safe place for us to say, you know what, I'm just going to shelve that. Um, I'm not feeling that right now, but I'm going to put that on the back burner or, oh my gosh, it's exactly what the Lord was saying to me today. I think that's just a good way to practice so knowing scripture, memorizing scripture, reading your Bible and just practicing, getting alone, getting quiet because you can't hear when you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think one of the things I tell women when we're, they're first starting out this pr- uh, process in maybe this is going to date me or age me a little bit is like when you're listening to the radio and something is a little bit fuzzy, like the station's a little bit fuzzy. If you are obedient to God, it's almost like you turn that notch, just like what that dial, like one little notch, a little bit closer to that station. You can hear it a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And when we're disobedient to God's voice, it's like turning it farther away. And so the more you practice obedience, when, when God is speaking to you, the easier it gets to hear his voice. And, you know, I, I tried to explain it to my daughters who were like teenagers and they had no idea what I was even talking about. Cause they just listen to their phones. You know, they don't know yeah. how to use a radio, but, um, I just always picture that in my mind, like how obedience is a big part of that. And even you sharing that, 
you know, that there's a vulnerability there. And I think, you know, there have been times where I have felt like the Lord had given me something and I shared it. And it was at least at the time, the person did not receive it. Like it didn't ring a bell or anything. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to just shut up and not, not pursue that practice anymore, but I think it's a practice. Like we have to get, yeah in the rhythm of it. And I think there have been times where I have shared something with somebody and they've said, no, no, that doesn't ring a bell. You know, it doesn't resonate, but then maybe like a year later, they'll come back and be like, Hey, remember that thing you told me? It didn't make any sense at the time, but this is what happened this week. And it just goes to show you like your timing is not the Lord's timing and that obedience portion. There's a lesson to be learned there. You know, sometimes we even forget, I'll even forget something that I have said because I just maybe will disregard it thinking, okay, well I I missed the mark and here it was just a timing issue, you know? So yeah, I I can point to that in my own life where, where people have given me words and I've been like, I don't know about that. And then years later, like it, it turns out to be true, like you said. And I think, that being true in my own life has given me courage to to say things to other people and to step out in faith. And it's, it's not about whether uh, you're always going to hit the mark. It's just about having courage to say it. If you feel like the Lord is saying it Yeah, and um, use that and grow that faith for sure. Yeah. Well, Tasha, we're almost out of time, but there's one more thing I love that you said that I wanted you to speak to um, before we close out today's show is the phrase, the salt leaving the salt shaker. And I just love that. Could you elaborate on what that means a little bit for us? Well, in my past, I sang background for Katy Perry for four years. And when I took that job, I had been a worship leader at a small church in California up until that point. And when I took the job, I had a lot of naysayers speak out and say, how can you be a Christian and do that? How can you be a Christian and, you know, um, go on tour with Katy Perry? And all I, you know, I had kind of a longer explanation, but the short of it was that you salt can't season anything in the salt shaker. You have to get outside of the walls of the church to be able to make any impact. And I think we, we become, uh, what is it when you're afraid to leave your house? Like we get that way about the church, yeah, you know, yeah. agoraphobic. Yeah. We're, we become agoraphobic in the church. It's like, we're afraid to leave the church. And, and we also are afraid to leave our comfort zone because we're really comfortable in the church. We're really comfortable going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, being comfortable, not getting out of our, our comfort zone. And so I really felt like God had called me to do this. And he clearly opened the door. I felt a grace to do it. And but there were a lot of naysayers. And I think, you know, through my communication with them about, you know, what I just told you about salt getting out of the shaker and stuff, eventually they became my biggest fans and asked me for free tickets. But in the in the interim, uh, they weren't too happy. And so when God calls you to do something, it's not everyone's going to be happy about it sometimes. Not everyone's going to understand, um, especially, you know, when it, when God calls you to do something that doesn't make sense, but you know, it's him. Yeah. People can get really upset sometimes, but you just have to give it time and you have to have the fear of the Lord instead of the fear of man. Yeah. I think, you know, scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you step out and are only concerned with what God says, there is a safety in that despite other people's groanings about your thing. But I will say this too. When that does happen, 
you have to operate with grace because God cares about our relationships with people very much. Yeah. The first four commandments are vertical, but the rest are horizontal. He made his covenant with a people, not a person. And all throughout uh, the biblical world, we see that community is so, so important. You shall love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. All throughout the covenant language, we see this. And so I think it's very important when God tells you to do something and it does ruffle feathers for you to respond with grace and love and uh, to maintain what he's told you, but, but do it with a good attitude and with integrity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that metaphor works so well too, because um, the obedience portion of listening to God's voice in that process is so important because, you know, we've all had a piece of steak that's been over salted and it leaves like this distaste in your mouth. And, you know, I think I've been guilty of that because the whole, um, you know, my first book that I wrote was called go. Cause that's been the the message that's God's put on my heart. Like evangelism and discipleship are just the, the primary callings of my life. And I have been very guilty in my younger years of like, forcing that on people when they yeah. just were ready. And, you know, as I've gotten older and have had more experience with that, I've learned that there, even in that process of, of, you know, getting the salt out of the salt shaker, it's really important to be yielded to, to God's voice and to his direction in that process. And so, um, but I totally agree with you. I mean, we are called to take the light to the darkness, not to run away from the darkness. And so many times I think we prefer our soft, cushiony chairs inside of our churches to um, maybe the things that are not quite as clean and comfortable and outside the four walls of the church. And so I love that that's part of your message. So I know we kind of jumped around a lot, but I think there's so many gems in your book that I think women are really going to enjoy. And as we close out today, I was going to ask if you would mind taking a couple moments to just pray for our listeners, maybe pray for women that are struggling with different kinds of lies and really just having this uh, freedom to know that God can set us free no matter what it is. And I, I think sometimes that's one of our biggest hangups as women is it's even the things that we don't admit out loud. It's the things that we keep hidden, the shame, the guilt, the fear. And yeah. those are all tactics that the enemy uses to keep us bound and to keep us from, uh, you know, understanding what our calling is. So I'd like you to specifically pray for the women that are kind of stuck in that place right now. Yeah. Jesus, we just thank you that you don't leave us where we are. And God, you are a God who picks our feet up out of a pit and sets us on a rock. Yeah. And Lord, I pray for the women who maybe believe that you can do it for other people, but not for them. God, for those, Lord, it's a clear, surefire sign that that they need to know your their worth in you that they need to know how you feel about them. And so God, for everyone listening who may feel stuck or may feel like, you know, I, I know the lie that the enemy has gotten his hook in my heart with, and I don't know how to overcome it. Or maybe they feel stuck and they don't even know why they can't even point to why God, I pray Lord that you would reveal that, that you would shed your light on it. And that, uh, as you shed your light and things are brought to the light, that it would take the power of shame away. Yeah. And God, that um, you would bring the right resources, the right people, the right support around them. And God, that they would just say yes. Like like when Mary uh, was approached by the angel with this impossible thing of having a baby while a virgin. Um, 
but her answer was just yes. And you changed the world through it. I just, I pray that their answer would be yes to you, whatever it is. I know it's scary. I know it's hard. It's hard to go to the past. It's hard to, to bring up painful situations and deal with them. But Lord, it's so worth it. And I just pray that your healing balm would just cover those things as they begin this process. And Lord, um, I pray for those who are just know that they are called to something and maybe they're afraid to step out. I just pray that they would hear you so clearly and just hear those little things that you say along the way, because Today really is tomorrow, and I, I just pray that they would hear those little things you say and that when they look back over obeying those little things, that they could see that, man, those little things added up to a big yes. So, God, uh, we just love you. We thank you that you are a God who saves. You're God who rescues. You're God who heals. We worship you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Can you tell people where they can find you, where they can find a copy of your book? Yeah. So Tasha Layton is just kind of where website is Tasha Layton, socials is Tasha Layton. And then uh, you can get the book on my website, TashaLayton.com or pretty much any of the platforms. I read the audio book. So I think there's a Kindle version, Amazon, all that, um, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.